The Viewpoint, weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on SAFM. The Viewpoint. Weekdays, 8 to 10 p.m. Song is on The Viewpoint. And it feels very good to be home. Thank you so much, fellow South Africans, for the wonderful welcome both on social media and personally to those who have called and wished me well. Indeed, I am back. Songa Zomabekwe had to take two weeks off because of some really pressing matters in terms of professional development, and I would understand that you're all curious to know where it was that I was. Well, I was in the UK attending the public procurement conference, the biggest of its kind internationally, hosted by Nottingham University. Happens every second year. All the professionals are certainly in public procurement. Major corporations around the world will send their heads of acquisitions there. So I was presenting a paper, first international conference paper outside the country. So it was all inspiring as it was nerve-wracking. But I think I pulled through together with my support team from the University of Stellenbosch, the African Procurement Law Unit, Professors Shope Williams-Elegbe, Gio Quino, as well as Ms. I beg your pardon, Dr. Alison Anthony, who were part of the delegation from Stellenbosch African Procurement Law Unit specifically, who were there to shepherd me through as I delivered what was my maiden presentation, focusing on public procurement institutions, building them, and once these institutions are built, making sure as per Section 41 of the Constitution, they speak to each other and work together, if you will, in the proper regulation and continued development and made efficient of the public procurement enterprise in the country. So I was just basically going there to look at the Constitution's Section 41, read with Section 217 of the Constitution, looking at all the public institutions that have a function that in one way or the other has to do with public procurement and how the synergies of all these respective institutions should be channeled in such a way that the public procurement enterprise as we know it in this country is made better because for the longest time now I think we can all agree that how public funds are spent is simply not tenable, not least because of the the economic outlook that this country enjoys. And, of course, this takes a monumental effort from government as well as from the private sector, but I think one of the core findings in my research was that Ordinary citizens, civic organizations, me and you, people who transact with the state as we do with ourselves, we have a massive obligation in making sure that the outlook in terms of how public funds are spent is better, not least because we can be a watchdog, because we are a watchdog. Anyway, that's why I was in the UK for two weeks, for, and of course I spent time with a family member who has been there for two years and who I had not seen in that amount of time. So it was a wonderful break, and I'm happy to be back. And more importantly, South Africa has a lot going for it. Granted, all of these things from time to time, you need to go out to experience and to see and to really live. South Africa has got a lot going for it. Um, I don't want to necessarily speak too much about this because we do have the wonderful Mr. Mkule Gotlengwa, who's the newly elected Parliament Standing Committee on Public Accounts chairperson. He's not new to the political space. He was there before. He's been there before in the previous administration under the IFP. He's now the, <coughs> I beg your pardon, he's now the chairperson of the Parliament's Standing Committee on Public Accounts. And basically, this is basically the job that was done by Mr. Temba Gordi before 
and we need a situation whereby now we can get an understanding from him in terms of not only what his vision is for the committee, but more importantly, what it is that he plans to do to change the narrative that has been going on for the longest time about how public funds are spent, especially in tightening and stifling economic times. We need to talk about the state-owned entities. We, not, we need to talk about municipalities and how municipalities are just a continued leaking bucket, probably because a majority of those persons in these contracting authorities, we call them in the public procurement space, municipalities, at local government level especially, the majority of them figure as much as, what, 80%, if what Ntlantlanena said to us a couple of years ago is anything to go by. 80% of those persons are supposed to look after municipal funds, have not the qualifications to look after those municipal funds. So it's it's small wonder, of course, why then you would have a Mashati municipality in the Stutterheim region of the Eastern Cape is under administration because in the truest sense possible, that municipality is bankrupt because of the things they could have done and did do. They went and dipped into the reserves. Now the financial outlook of that municipality is so dire that they cannot even pay salaries of staff. Well, in business terms, that would be an act of insolvency. But in employment terms, then you have to look at constructive dismissal. So it would be very fair for all those employees in that particular municipality to not report for work because they have not been paid, not just for one month, but for two months. That in in labor terms can be read and construed as constructive dismissal. Now, there are a whole host of implications that may come from just this one municipality and its most irresponsible way of handling public funds. And it it, it has this ripple effect in terms of not just socioeconomically but also legally and for the status of these municipalities and and the legal ip that will develop and that will develop as a result of what we have so unfortunately i've lost my screen and i'm trying to ad lib is mr mkulagwa with us good evening mr Tlengwa. are you there yeah i am good evening to you and the listeners and welcome back i suppose you've heard what i've had to say and i think that's quite important in terms of just locating the nature of the discussion and what ordinary citizens especially in the ushering of this new sixth administration would want you as the scope chairperson essentially you are us in parliament you make sure that that money which is appropriated is spent consistent with the release for said appropriations. Tell us what your vision is coming into this very important portfolio. Well, I think maybe one, let me react to um, what you have just said insofar as the state of health of municipalities is concerned because fundamentally it's very, very important that municipalities which are at the coal face um, of service delivery are effective, functional, and responsive to the daily lived realities of our people. Yes. Regardless of the fact whether the competence of which our people may be looking for to be dealt with resides municipalities or not, but it needs to be an information hub and it needs to be functional so it can direct our people um, to the correct um, government departments if it's at a municipal function. So one of the things that... Um, uh, on my radar is to actually have a meaningful interaction um, with the Department of COPTA and the affected municipalities because there are a number of them which are actually under Section 139 at the moment. Um, yes. The administrator is in place and so we mm-hmm. really need um, to drill into um, how we turn the administrators around. In certain instances, you have municipalities, as you said, which just don't have money and are now using MIG um, funds to actually perform 
their daily functions, paying of employees and so on, which of course is irregular. So you've got a situation of borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. And of course, that kind of accounting is just inconsistent with the MFMA and Treasury regulations. So municipalities will need to be um, a primary focus if we are to actually get, um, you know, service delivery um, on track. And I think that uh, moving forward will definitely place um, municipalities as a key priority. But I think um, I, 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 in, in what you are saying, of course, the question is that, yes, we take the responsibility of Scope, uh, Scope to um, represent the collective interests of South Africans to make sure that annual performance plans are complied with, that there's due compliance with the PFMA, and that um, we work on the basis of the audit outcomes that um, the AG will give us, and to then broaden our network of stakeholder engagement and relations well beyond um, just the AG. The SIU, Hawks, NTA um, need to become key and strategic partners as we enforce consequence management and push back on the frontiers of corruption, administration, and fraudulent um, accounting practices which are fast prevailing um, in government department entities and municipalities. Complementary agencies of government that you to be able to be the best possible scoper you need cooperation from and we can talk about this on another day when we really have time to delve into this let's talk about for instance the regulatory framework specifically i mean you're you're talking about pfma mfma these are important pieces of legislation but what a lot of south africans probably don't know simply because it's just been kept for whatever reason under the carpet This draft Public Procurement Act, how much of it do you know? Because part of the problem is MFMA, PFMA, and a whole host of other legal instruments don't actually necessarily speak to each other as it pertains to how public funds are to be spent. Do you know anything about this draft Public Procurement Act, if anything? Tell us what you do. No, it it does not come come across my desk, but... In, in the main, what I can um, respond to is the fact yes, that, is that yes, there are inconsistencies in the you know framework um, and in the acts. And one of the things um, which will need to happen, of course, is that we need to work with the Standing Committee on Finance, the Standing Committee on Appropriations, to actually bring about a synergy. But beyond that, um, National Treasury needs to do a better job of. Um, explaining, um, you know, the regulatory um, notes and instruction notes that they gave out um, from time to time as part and parcel of um, plugging the holes in the system because um, people plead ignorance on the basis that, um, well, you know, the the training was not adequate and so on. And if that's a loophole, we need um, to to plug it in. And I think um, as part of the training and induction that we're going to do as a committee in the coming weeks, we're definitely going to place every piece of legislation before us, unpack it, understand it, and any other drafts. Um, that are in the pipeline will take the time to actually study those as well. Because the situation which I want to avoid is to, um, as a committee, that we just throw ourselves into the deep end without having the full grasp um, of what it is that we should be doing. And so the training and induction of members will form a key priority um, in the immediate future. Talk to us then about the onboarding that has already taken place because the institution is not new. It has IP that it has built over time. Utemba Goti has been there. How much interaction have you had with him in terms of making sure that the handover is as seamless as possible? 
Well, I mean, we'll appreciate that announcement was only done on Friday and we will be returning to Parliament tomorrow. Um, I've already been, of course, in discussion with um, some of the um, committee staff. I have been in the committee for the past five years as well. We will take the time at the induction and training session to um, look at the legacy report um, and interact with Mr. Cody as well, who chaired the committee ably um, for 14 years. And I pay tribute to him as well for having done a sterling job. Um, of bringing SCOPA to the forefront um, of the accountability chain and to begin a process of inspiring public confidence in our people um, that um, there is a level of functionality in the parliamentary um, processes. Um, I think there are really real experiences which come across um, for the committee which we must deal with. And one of them, of course, is the hard-headedness and arrogance um, of accounting officers and just staff and officials in general um, who believe that um, they have got no education to account. And that kind of attitude is very, very dangerous when you're dealing with public um, funds. And we need to really enforce um, consequences so that um, we can begin to make examples out of people that nobody is above the law. But this business's usual approach to corruption and tolerating it thereof cannot be acceptable. And the committee will be well served to adopt a no-nonsense approach in that regard. We're having a conversation with the SCOPA chairperson, the newly nominated and indeed elected Mr. Mkulego Tlengwa of the IFP. As recently as Friday, he has now been officially the successor of Mr. Temba Godi. We're taking your calls, please, on 0891-104-209 because we're operating from the other studio that we have. SABC is just like that. We've got studios. Voice notes, please, 614 My name is Song Ezomapetra, and this is The Viewpoint. Back after two weeks. Dumagude, let's talk about the Auditor General. Mr. Klimakwetu has been at pains in trying to get the political powers to respond favorably to what the institution AG has been trying to get them to do. We know the defaulting municipalities. We might even know the persons behind them. And there might be political patterns that one might pick up from that. Unfortunately, not too much of that has been heeded over the course of time, such that the Public Audit Amendment Bill has come through to try and wrest some of that initiative from the political desk to the bureaucratic desk in terms of that function which is now going to be newly introduced as the AG's work. You have to work with him. Do you want to comment as to how you think the AG would be of assistance to you? Because we know they run audits, we know who the dysfunctional municipalities or state agencies are. But now that they want to introduce a proper sense of consequence management, how do you propose to work with them? Well, look, I think um, I welcome the the, the, the amendments. I think they are very important um, because they they strengthen the um, overall value chain of accountability that um, we are thriving to um, enforce in South Africa. Um, I think that um, having interacted with the Office of the AG um, on Saturday, um, there is a commitment um, on our part as SCOPA and the AG to forge a healthy working relationship and to build on our gains. Um, and so I think let us allow that process of interaction, share ideas, and and when we have actually finalized or cemented the approach, and then you can speak to it. But the AG, I must commend for having always been readily available 
um, to assist SCOPA um, in trainings, in sharing information, um, in breaking down, you know, the, the, the findings to to assist us and channel us in a direction which allows us to get to the problem. So the AG is our principal partner um, to begin with, and I think that um, we've got no problem at all um, with how, how the Auditor General has worked, and we'll work with the Auditor General without any fear, favor, or compromise. Which is very important. Let's talk about another very important agent, which we seldom actually pay attention to, and that is the public. The public are the interface with the municipalities, with the SOEs, with the contracting agents. They are the ones who are sometimes even suppliers and are being at times forced to bribe, especially a small enterprise. They haven't had a tender for a long time. They haven't had any business opportunity. Government is the best option for business. And the invitation to do wrongdoing comes from the public official to the small enterprise who outside heeding that um, attempted to bribe might go on a dry and lean spell for a long time. Do you want to give us a sense as to how important it is for us as ordinary citizens to be the watchdog? Well, I, we are going to have an open-door policy as a committee um, to make sure that the public is able to access us as scope because what we do not want to do um, in the main is to be aloof and to be out of touch and respond only to paper reports and be academic in the approach. Some of these things are a daily yes. reality for the majority of South Africans. And so Indeed. we need to look for impact um, and, and, and satisfy ourselves that um, we have uh, interacted with every stakeholder. But I think so the other point which I, I, I must make, because we must not run the risk of thinking that uh, SCOPA is the alpha and omega of accountability and oversight, is to say that we are part and parcel of a broader uh, conveyor belt of accountability, which speaks to portfolio committees, it speaks to parliament, it speaks to civil society. But in the issue that you raise about municipalities, we really need to ensure that the impacts, the municipal public account committees at municipal level and the provincial scopers are actually functional. And so we will really need to um, interact with the AG and the speakers forum, which brings together the speaker of the National Assembly and the chairperson of the NCOP and the speakers of the provincial legislatures together to say, how do we make it a, a, a practical for municipal provincial scopers to be functional? That's very, very important because some of these competences reside um, with the with, with provinces, and of course there's the Association for Public Accounts APEC, and we're going to need to really turn that institution around to make it more effective and to make sure that we plug into new capabilities and capacity so that we can beef up the work that needs to be done um, at, uh, at, at a local level. So in the main, we will also have to, as uh, the scope of the National Assembly, drive the agenda um, of transferring our knowledge, skills and expertise um, to the other scopers and impacts so that the work can be shared amongst us. Otherwise, we will end up really no, um, not fulfilling what it is that we want to do. Talking about that, what about the, I mean, I'm sorry to have to go back to the municipalities. And I would imagine this is a function of cater deployment. The inability of accounting officers to read financial statements. This is a leaking bucket effect. You can do what you want, but if 
the person who is now in charge with money decides or makes that signature that's going to withdraw the money and to pay a particular service provider, as the case may be. If that person isn't sufficiently qualified to do so, all of what you suggest is going to be zero. How then do you engage government? How do you engage Mr. Ramaphosa and his party in making sure they stymie this? Because at times this is a political issue more than it is a governance issue. Well, I think we, we must we must appreciate uh, as part of the um, reflections that we are doing as we enter into the fifth administration, the reality that we are coming from irregular times. We are coming from unusual times. We are coming from where accountability was chucked out the window. We are coming from a place where due process um, was ignored. Uh, and where individuals became institutions um, much to the neglect of institutional capacity of municipalities, government departments, and entities. And that manifested itself, of course, in the form of state capture. And so we have to unravel that as well, to the extent to which um, municipalities found themselves at the receiving end of state capture. And part of that, of course, was the well-laid-out plan of um, creating uh, or rather deploying persons to positions who are incompetent so that you could paralyze the system. And so part and parcel of the work that needs to happen is the overhaul of persons who are employed um, into positions irregularly. Um, mm. And if that calls for a, you know, an, a national audit of particularly your CFOs and your, your persons working in your um, supply chain management sector, then so be it as part of the cleanup process. Yes. We cannot ignore the fact that um, state capture manifested because um, individuals were given um, the space and luxury to ignore due process. That is the first uh, uh, instance. But secondly, what also needs to happen um, is that the Department of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs needs to move into a, a, a pace where the assistance that they provide to municipalities, because we know that of our municipalities rely um, on, 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 on the appropriation. They do not have any revenue generating capacity. And it's easy then, of course, in those spaces um, to do things outside the norm. So we really need the Department of Culture to move into that space um, of sorting those problems out. When I was speaking about Section 139, it cannot mm. just be a political motivation um, only just to restore um, good governance at the level of your political deployments. It actually needs to move into your technocrats and your bureaucrats because those are the people in the main who run um, these municipalities. And the unfortunate part of it is that the issue you refer to with financial statements is not just confined to municipalities. The sure. AG has also found that quite a lot of government departments at a national level and some of you SOEs and other entities will always submit um, annual reports and financial I mean financial statements which are prepared inconsistently with mm -hmm. the reporting format. And then of mm -hmm. course that's when things go haywire. Absolutely. So this is a general problem um, that we have, and I think it's one which um, even the Department of Higher Education and Training will need to look at with all the other regulatory bodies in terms of how we build up the capacity um, of persons working in the financial space. And finally, 
Let us employ people on the basis of capability, capacity, and qualification. Because cadet deployment in a vacuum is what has actually caused us these kind of problems we are faced with. Sure. Let's take a call from Edua Butterworth, Temba. Yes, sir. Look, sir, this one is a very, very good appointment. I can tell you, I'm not a member of the AFP, but this guy, Mm-hmm. Very, very. I, I can tell you even it surpasses those of the ANC chairpersons. But this appointment of Mkuleko Atlengwa is one of the most good appointments in this in this in this parliament. But what I want to ask him is that uh, Scopa comes very late in the process. They wait for the money to be spent, and then they come and then investigate after the damage has been done. Uh, why they don't say maybe let's say we know that the Department, Department of Water Affairs have got so many projects, maybe they amounted to a billion they have to spend in doing projects on games. Then why Scopa does not involve in the in the early process of the projects? Mm, so, that, so that they can detect any mistake before it can happen. You sure. see? I don't Great know if point. they have those powers. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, yeah. Tim, from Edgoa. Just a reminder, 891 is the number to call. You'll be on with Mr. Klengwa, who's the Scopa chairperson. Your response, please. No, uh, look, I, I, I understand the frustration and, the, and, it's, and it's legitimate, but also at the same time, it must be appreciated that we work within the parameters of, of rules and, um, and, and delegated responsibilities um, by Parliament the House. So we cannot exercise powers we do not have. And the issue fundamentally is portfolio committees in the main are responsible for the day-to-day oversight of government departments, their programs, their APPs, and so on. The problem comes in when the portfolio committees see themselves as an extension of the executive and mm-hmm. they form the first line of defense of protecting a minister, a DG and officials and so on, because the idea is that we are protecting the ANC government. Whereas in fact you are setting it up for failure if you are not going to hold it accountable. So there needs to be a paradigm shift in that regard as well. And for Parliament to assert itself as an independent arm of the state and, and actually fulfill its responsibilities and not to see itself as an extension of the executive. That's the first point. Secondly, there's the Standing Committee on Appropriations, which is responsible and mandated by parliamentary rules and processes to look into and the current expenditure patterns of government departments and entities. So we'll have to forge a stronger working relationship with that committee as well if we are to be effective. But I must hasten to say that as Scopa in the past and what we will continue doing this is that we are not going to shy away from intervening where we recognize an irregularity um, even before the reports have come. A point in cases. The Sasa matter, the Sasa debacle, came before Scopa not because of the end-of-year end reporting, but was triggered by a constitutional court judgment. And so those kind of interventions and those kind of findings will enable the committee to then step in and look at the work. And, of course, 
of the provisions of the PFMA do allow for uh, us to intervene on the basis of month and month and quarter to quarter reporting and for us to have a continuous assessment. So you speak of Department of Water, that's a historical matter that has been on the table of SCOPA. And therefore, if we are to finalize it correctly, we do not need to wait for the annual report and the audit outcomes can be a matter that we can um, bring before us well before that time. So there is space sufficient enough to move for us to do so, but I must emphasize that we are part and parcel of a broader process, of a broader institutional framework, and all those committees and institutions of parliament must do their job if we ourselves as power to be successful. Sure. Let me just go on finally. State-owned entities, they have been the biggest bane of South Africa's public resources in terms of their management. What is it that has to be done? I mean, PRASA is a mess. SAA is a mess. And one can go on ad infinitum. True. Um, I think the this, this does not even need to be a scope of consideration. Um, it, it, Parliament must insist on this. The president and his executive must insist on this. Um, society, South Africans must insist on this. That first and foremost, we need to deploy to these SOEs people who are fit for purpose and qualified for the job that is required by the institutions. This reckless kind of cadet deployment that we have seen is in the main what has brought about the systematic collapse of governance. Um, in institutions. We have been to SAA Scopa and we recognize that one of the immediate challenges was the collapse of governance. Um, whether you go to SAPC, um, Transmet, Prasa, um, and so on, the, the fundamental issue is that people who are entrusted with responsibilities of making sure that these institutions are functional are simply not equal to the task. Secondly, has been the prevailing cancer of non-accountability and the failure to punish people when they do wrong. And because we have set that up as a norm, it has become very easy then for people to brush over their responsibilities and do as they please. So it will be important that um, we implore on the president, particularly given the fact that the responsibility of appointing boards was residing with public enterprises in the main and some others, of course, with parliamentary process, it is actually the president and cabinet that sign off on these things. Now, they are duty-bound, and I think they must respond positively to this reality to ensure that competence um, becomes um, the order of the day. And I want to say that um, I will make it a point that Um, chief amongst the institutions and departments that we are going to call are some of the state-owned entities that have got legacy matches with SCOPA, so we can bring those to a logical legal parliamentary conclusion, and they include SAPC, Transnet, ESCOM, and SAA. And also, we, we must really zoom into the issue of staff morale and the human resource management practices at these SOEs. Staff members are simply worn out, drained, and tired because of the heavy hand of management on one hand, and secondly, on the other, the demand for staff to do things which are wrong. And then when it comes to consequences, it is staff that take fall and the top dogs survive. And that kind of approach 
um, is paralyzing SOEs and rendering them inefficient because you've got workers and staff which are just afraid to go to work, and when they get to work, they are afraid to do the job. So it's a lot of things um, which, when looked at, you begin to recognize that we are allowed...